Hello everyone, my name is Chris Badonski and welcome back to Chris vs. the World. Uh, in today's episode, I have a special guest with me, uh, my arbiter, my dungeon master. Uh, he controls the lives of every fictional character I play right now. Uh, please welcome Josh. Hello, I'm Josh, aka Soylent. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I play a lot of TTRPGs, so um, I believe that's what I was invited on to talk about. Uh, yeah, uh, today we're, we're, we're going to cover pretty much anything and everything that falls underneath that spectrum of uh, tabletop role-playing games, from Pathfinder, which is uh, a system I'm not entirely familiar with, but as I understand, you played a majority of, rather than actually like playing 5th um, edition. Uh, played? Uh, I ran it is what I primarily did. So I played very, very little Pathfinder, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I can just start with where I, with where I began D and D. Um, you know, I, I, I only got kind of involved in D and D. I guess the very first uh, interaction with, with D and D was, um, I went to, uh, back when conventions were a thing. I mean, this was 10 years ago, but uh, I went to PAX East in uh, 2011 and um, played a, they had a station set up there for uh, Dungeons and Dragons Online, which is still going on right now. Uh, it's, it looks as terrible as it did back then. Oh yeah, but, God, um, I played it like two years ago and I was like, I, I played like for five minutes and I was like, hmm, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, what what put me off of, from that game um, was the people that sort of tried to get me to keep playing it. Um, I I didn't understand when it would roll damage in that game, where it would say you're you're doing like one d six damage plus whatever. Um, I I had no idea what the D meant. I had no idea that it was it was dice, and no one ever explained that to me. So whenever it would just have that equation there and then another number would pop up after it as the result it never occurred to me that it was rolling a dice to get there and i was like dude I, someone needs to crack this code for me because i'm looking at it like almost like a like an algebraic equation i'm like what is that d variable please somebody explain this to me and never did so it kind of fell off for me um and i just went back to playing world of warcraft so um <laughs> when in doubt it, wow it, what yeah, it wasn't until later that year, actually, um, I, I got invited to play D&D &D, uh, with my old dungeon master um, uh, by a friend of mine um, who, who worked with this guy, and he played in this kind of dingy furnished room above his garage, which was like a separated part of, like, his, his, he had his house, but then in his backyard he had like a separated garage. Um, and it was, uh, a uh like a it was, shed. Well, it was, it was a garage. You could fit a car in it. And then there was a second floor to it, um, that was furnished, but it was like kind of, you know, like slanted ceilings sort of. So you had a duck in some places, but, um, it was, uh, I mean, as far as D and D sort of dungeony aesthetic goes, it was the most dungeony D and D room I've ever been in. And, um, this friend of mine always tried to get me into LARPing, 
<laughs> and I just could I just like look man it's not for me yeah that's the I, next I, step absolutely. to being like yeah you go out to like public parks and shit and do that and like I love right. fantasy and shit but I think that that's like a step too far for me personally I, I, I'm not knocking it but I was like I'm it's not gonna interest me man like I I, I can't be bothered uh, so I mean he, he kind of kept nagging me about it and eventually I decided to meet him halfway when he this this co-worker of his um, got him into D&D &D, and I was like all right sure I'll go um, it's funny because what what kind of got me into it is or what what also kind of uh, had a had a hand in, in me deciding to go was uh, that mo that Jim Carrey movie Yes Man oh where he he takes the advice to just say yes to everything because he normally said no and I kind of I don't know if I want to say resonated <laughs> with that but I was like man you, you know what I, I'm kind of a straight edge loser like I didn't have my first drink until I was 21 I've never smoked in my life um I don't do any drugs uh I I mean now I drink a little he too heavily but <laughs> yeah. regardless uh, back then I was I was like I just played wow and like nothing ever really happened so I was like fuck it I mean what's the worst gonna happen um and it turned out being pretty much my primary hobby. Uh, we we played uh, like a mix between first and second edition D&D. &D. Uh, and what the mix was essentially, if there was a class that existed in both versions and one was just horrendous and the other version was really fun, that one would take precedence. So, for example, the Barbarian and the Assassin from first edition were uh, the rules we used, but everything else was from second edition primarily. So... Um, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was a lot of fun back then, and it, it kind of, uh, after a while, uh, we decided to start streaming it on Twitch under the channel Guild of Fools, and that was, uh, kind of a group project for, um, seven years or so until we wrapped it up, uh, last year we just did, like, one send-off campaign, but, uh, in its heyday, I mean, we had you know, 30, 40, 50 viewers at any given time, and, and we would, you know, we wouldn't beg for donations or whatever, but we were like, hey, we, we're playing in this dingy-ass room, and our equipment, you know, tech equipment is limited, and some of us were unemployed at the time, so we were like, this is primarily funded by the viewers, and we were getting, you know, really healthy donations to the tune of, to the point where we were considering using them to rent like a studio apartment just to host the show and so we could do it more days of the week and like it um, like going for that critical role before critical role yeah we started it in january of uh, 2013 and and back then i think the only major DD &D channel on twitch was one called thursday nights and it was run by a guy who was like a he worked for um I want to say he worked for 2K, like the game company or whatever. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So he kind of had he kind of had notoriety in that, and and I mean, in order to get a D&D stream or anything to get get any sort of traction, you you kind of need to have you have you kind of have to have like notoriety in something else first, because it doesn't seem like a lot of people seem to care enough about just D&D to just join a D&D stream. They 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 show up and then they kind of. They're there for the... That's why Critical Role is so huge, in my opinion, is because they're all sort of famous, either comedians or, or voice actors, so it's just kind of, like, extremely easy for them to have a massive audience because they're all professionals, you know? Yeah. Um, kind of lends to them in that um, majority of them are, like, well-seen in the public eye. Like, I personally love Critical Role, uh, but I understand, like, you're... Like, you don't hate it, but you're not a fan. 
I I just never it's it's not that I don't hate it. It's just it's a massive time sink. It is. And um, <laughs> I it's like so with like certain TV shows where a lot of people you know recommend anime whenever you bring up anime or whatever. It's like oh man you should watch One Piece. It's like all right cool. Well where should I start? Because it's I see that oh it's it's over one thousand episodes <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Oh and and that would be even more digestible just because the episodes are like twenty minutes long. Or whatever it is. Yeah. D&D session, like D&D episodes are four hours long. And it's like, holy shit. There's two seasons of this and each one has like 80 episodes. I, there's that. And then also just kind of like, I don't want, um, I don't want people to come because I still stream on Twitch doing D&D stuff. I don't want to see my, people to see my D&D and be like, oh, this is clearly derivative of the most popular thing out there. I try to avoid, um, I try to avoid letting other, uh, popular sort of D&D or TTRPG influencers influence my way of running things, so. Yeah, it's important to kind of stick want it to be, style. Yeah, I kind of want to maintain my, I don't know what my style is, but I can't, because honestly, my style is, is a derivative of the guy who ran for me originally. His name was Andy, and, uh, unfortunately he passed away, um, about two years ago now uh from lung cancer but um he was uh he kind of flew by the seat of his pants sort of and just winged it most of the time i i I mean he scribbled some things down um you know in between sessions i'm sure uh i know he spent a lot of time in that room um but uh it um you know it didn't uh it didn't seem like he ever had, had any sort of grand plan and it allowed him to sort of let the party decide where they're going to go next rather than him sort of leading everyone. And I really, really liked that. So um, I tried to I try to do that now because it's more the players' stories and their characters' stories rather than my story. Um, I think that is important for role-playing games. I feel like too many Dungeon Masters these days kind of get, take the wrong message from popularized, like, live streams of D&D or just other D&D games they've seen in general where like it seems like the dungeon master had this plan all along but really I think what it is is like what they're failing to pick up on is like the dungeon master crafted that story that was told around like around what the players did or what they were doing like that's what I do right yeah I mean I, that's pretty much what I do now and I mean um I'm big into big into uh comic books too uh, and, you know, listening to interviews with, uh, some of the comic book creators, especially the ones who work for, you know, the big publishers like Marvel and DC, when DC and Marvel throws these sort of, like, all-encompassing events at, at the writers that are writing, like, a single character's story, they need to know how to pivot to make their story fit into the narrative, like, the overarching narrative sort of thing, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll have kind of a general guideline nowadays. I, I try to do that just in case, you know, because it, it seems like when, if, I, if I'm if i just winging it, um, unless my creative juices are really flowing, and the, if the party's ever just kind of like standing around with their hands in their pockets, kicking rocks around or whatever, um, it's kind of hard to motivate them to do anything because they just don't know what to do. And it... it I try to make sure that there's at least something I, I've up my sleeve so that if anything like that happens, I can just be like, bam, here's something to make things, you know, start a, l- a little bit more interesting and kind of push along some some form of narrative that you can pull out of the ether. Yeah. 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 So, 
so yeah, uh, but Andy was always the the D and D guy, and um, I kind of wanted to uh, when I started running games, I kind of wanted to differentiate my game from his. So I, easiest way to do that was just to jump into uh, jump into Pathfinder. Um, I, what drew me to Pathfinder was just kind of uh, it's just the amount of resources available for the first edition Pathfinder. Uh, you can make a character extremely unique and not. I mean. I don't want to say it was it wasn't broken, but everyone was around the same power level, and it was it was difficult to fall into a trope unless you were just like extremely uncreative. Um, it was it was easy because I, I was able to you know invite people to play off of the internet that were watching the Guild of Fools show, and all they would need to do is tell me what sort of character concept they they had in mind, and they didn't know how to play, and then I would build their character in the background, and then as I was getting their character sheet ready. Um, they could literally just jump right into things and I would tell them what to roll up until they kind of understood what they were doing. And uh, Pathfinder really fit that a lot better than I think at least first and second first and second edition D&D did. But um, when fifth edition came out, we kind of sh tried shifting to that, but no one really knew what they were doing because it was a brand new system. Um, but I I've learned to love it over the years and that's kind of what I've been running primarily just because a lot of people don't seem to like... It, there's a low, low, uh, you know, uh, society, uh, th uh, threshold. Yeah, a low threshold for for entry with with fifth edition. It's super easy to get. Yeah. Um, Pathfinder has a little bit too much going on, but um, that's why I stick with with D and D. And and because nowadays, because when we were doing Guild of Fools, it, it wasn't until the second year that we were doing it that fifth edition even came out, and there was no additional resources. Nowadays. There's so many different third-party resources that you could compare it to um, Pathfinder in terms of available material. So there, there um, are third-party resources now that allow you to craft an entirely like your own system, like your own dice yeah. to roll, your own. How does the DC work? Is there a DC at all? It's bananas. We're living in the wild west of TTRPGs. Yeah, and I, I like it. It's definitely spiked in popularity since I've started playing it. Um, I would I would I mean I don't know what the numbers are, but even over the last year, just because of uh, of uh, COVID nineteen and everyone stuck at home, they need something to do. And the, the easiest way to get involved with your friends is playing D and D online. So uh, I'd highly recommend it if you are. Uh, I mean, for anyone really, it it has enough going on that I think it could check boxes of at least anyone that can sort of satisfy themselves with theater of the mind sort of things so yeah or if you do it online and you're like me and you you have a subscription to like this amazing map creating software in incarnate which is like constantly being updated like i think every month so i'm always getting new assets to use which is what i used to make that map for you on monday like yep. I made it quick. It was easy. Exported. I sent it to you out because I was like, I'm fine with. I was fine with what you had put up, but I was also like, you. The comment you made, like, I know it doesn't look great, but and I was like, I'm gonna help you out. I'm gonna throw something together. Well, I mean, I, uh, I, I, I uh, ascribe to the um, self-deprecating <laughs> sense of humor sort of stuff sometimes. So I know it looks like garbage, and I'm I'm kind of playing it up. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've used Incarnate a couple times. Uh, I don't have the premium version. Uh, I have, um, I have Wonder Draft and Dungeon Draft, 
but uh, those seem to be a little bit more involved where incarnate seems like you can on the fly make some some better things than just drawing it within whatever virtual tabletop you're using yeah because I mean up until uh, you know this last year I ran all my games in person and I would just record you know with a camera pointed at everyone at the table so I was just drawing within grids and I never had to be super fancy with my maps it was just sort of getting a general idea and then everyone's sort of brain would fill in the blanks and now it, it's a lot more of my time is spent preparing maps uh, beforehand because I can't really I mean you like like everyone saw I, I can't come up with maps on the fly while also juggling everything else that's going on with the, both the stream and then also making sure I'm paying attention to what everyone's saying so yeah it's it's a lot to juggle when you're when you're a dungeon master uh because like running my saturday games is kind of like it can it's trying sometimes because i will sit there and be like okay whatever they've got thought up i've got a random ass map i can pull out of the ether and then they go off and they 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 do these things that like it's not like it's not expected but they get themselves into combat in situations where i don't expect them to and i'm like Fuck, yep. do I have one for that? And I go through my library that I've accumulated over the course of a year and a half, and it's like, fuck, I don't have that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think it ever gets easier no. uh, in that regard. Being able to guess what your player... I mean, unless you're playing with the same group, but even then, it's going to be a while until... There's always uh, some guesswork. Yeah, so... It, it's just kind of... I, I mean, you don't stream yours, though. Yours is just sort of with friends, right? Yeah. We've talked about streaming yeah. it potentially, like on like on Saturdays when we normally do it. But uh, we've got some uh, players that are like socially anxious and that don't like the thought, of, like, oh, there are a bunch of people listening to me right now, or my right, voice right. sounds stupid. And it's like, I always try to reinforce, like, and encourage them, like, no, no, you don't, no, it doesn't. But I, I don't press the issue. I just assure them that that's not how it is, and like they don't need to worry about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I guess what I was trying to get at is that your friends are probably more forgiving if you're just like, hang on, let me get a map, see if I have a map ready for this. Whereas when you're streaming it, you kind of want to make sure you have that stuff as soon as possible because any, because kind of like when you're recording a podcast, you don't want to have a whole lot of dead air. You don't really want to have like, oh, hang on everyone that's watching and, and participating in this and, and I'm, I'm wasting your time as, as I need to get ready when I should be ready in the first place. So that, and that's kind of why i just stick with drawing the shitty maps if if i need to so yeah um i i'm uh yeah i'm generally lucky in that aspect not to mention like if i ever does boil down to a thing where like i need to have a map for something i'm very visual based like i have tons of landscape concept images that i've i found all across like from artstation and google and shit like sometimes it's just like a straight up like picture of like norway for a uh, backdrop and like i just throw it up there so there's something that they can look at and they have a reference like you know theater of the mind and it's a little bit more vivid of what i want them to be seeing when i'm describing it yeah i, I try i tried to do the same thing a little bit uh but again it, it, the streaming aspect of it me, makes it a little I bit more difficult too well it, it's it's not that but it's like i i have a i have a large folder of of pre-made maps and stuff like that too and and I don't like, because there's a couple players that play in some of my games that uh, will look at the map and then, uh, like, dissect it in their in their head and be like, oh, well, then if if that, 
like, let's say they're in the random field and I have a random field map that just happens to have like a burning wheelbarrow in it or whatever. Mm -hmm. They're going to think there's a burning wheelbarrow there and I have to then explain that away or they're going to ask about it. And I, like it has to kind of be super tight as far as what I'm imagining in my head when I try to pick out a map. But then on top of that, um, I know there's a ton of them out there, but I don't like to use any sort of art assets that aren't either uh, in-house with the game system I'm running. So if I'm running 5th edition or I'm running Starfinder, I don't mind using Paizo's artwork because I don't think uh, Paizo or uh, Wizards of the Coast cares if you use their stuff to play their game. Nah. But I'm not going to like from like, I'm not going to have like a Pinterest list of images up and then use somebody else's artwork without crediting them. Uh, so I try to only use art assets that I've paid for either through Patreon or uh, through someone's Gumroad or whatever they want to, uh, whatever sort of platform they use. So yeah, um, like I, I wouldn't. I, mean, use I don't think I don't think I don't think the country of Norway is going to get upset with you <laughs> for using. No, you know, their, like they've got beautiful landscapes. Honestly, like yeah. their water is so clean, their tap water is so clean. It's what we bottle here and call Voss water. That really expensive shit. That's how good their tap water is. But. Like, if I were live streaming it, I would not use any of the images that I use, like, without either A, like, contacting the artist that did it, but, like, when, like, when you do what I've done, which is, I, like, similarly to what you've done with, like, um, like, the world that we play in on Mondays, I don't know the name of your world, actually, which, uh, it's, it's Primea. Primea. Well, my world is called Zenithia. And I took, like, it took me a year and a half to create this world. And, like, there are a lot, like, there's so much that, like, because unlike what you did, like, where your world is, like, you haven't narrowed it down, like, how many continents there are. So you could constantly just, like, discover something. That's a really creative yep. aspect that I think, like, I commend you for. Because I don't think, I have to limit myself. Otherwise, I'm just going to go, like, above and beyond and people are eventually going to be like how big is this sphere we're on and i'm going to be like who said anything about a sphere you're on a cube right yeah I, i've i've thought about that as well <laughs> um and i my primia is flat it's an infinite flat plane oh, essentially that's insane uh, so i i did that because um it's hard for me to kind of write things. I mean, because probably because of the style that Andy did and, and, and kind of influenced me with uh, his flying by the seat of his pants sort of thing. I mean, Andy was also a very good story crafter. He wrote a book and was writing a, a, a sequel, but before, uh, unfortunately, he passed away. But um, I, I didn't really ever write anything down, just kept it all in my head. So it's hard for me to kind of get it out of my head onto a like readable format i'm trying to do that with world anvil as we go along in this monday campaign yeah and i i i, I go to open up world anvil sometimes and i'm like all right well where do i start and i don't know because there's just so much that has happened in this world that i, I can remember but it's like again it's like well where's the starting point and what i have to do um or what i've noticed that i've had to do lately is i have to kind of act, in my head make up a third person that asks me about my world and then i answer the question and as i'm answering it i write it all down that's a because that's a good I, it, method actually if if anyone asks any questions about the world i can give them the answer but i can't give them any reference material because it's just it's just floating around in my head and and i can't find a way to get it out unless someone asks me about it sort of thing so um that's what i'm trying to do 
uh, with with the world. But it, it, also, whenever I go to revisit these things in my head, I think, well, I could have done this better, and I just I, I, most of the time I just end up changing it, even though it's different different from the last time they saw it. I kind of also, anytime you encounter any sort of written down lore or or anything pertaining to the world or history in in Primia. I, I also try to make use of the unreliable narrator uh, writing style where you're getting one person or one group of people's uh, sort of opinion on history, you know? And there's not... Th there may be a, a true history, but I don't think anyone's ever going to get very close to it. They're just going to kind of be adjacent to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's like because... I understand which, like, I think I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong here, kind of what you're doing uh, in that aspect is uh, to the victor goes the spoils, and that is, like, certain aspects yeah. of what people perceive as what is, like, written history is yeah. written. Yeah, like, uh, the, the victor's, the, the history is written by the winners, or, or whatever the saying is, so, yeah. um, I mean, you go from, if you go to, like, this dwarven nation and ask them, you know, well, how, how is the world created? I have specific creation myths for each, you know, either race or 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 kingdom or whatever, and they they conflict with each other because no one really knows for certain. Um, so it it's kind of hard to f f like, and it it's very much like the, real the life. True nature, like the Romans had had the, had a myth for how you know their gods created people. The Greeks, same thing. Um, even the Aztecs had like this right, weird exactly thing, but and it, it, it the, I think the interesting part of it is that like in real life, you know, you can very easily just say, okay, well, because there's so many different religions, then none of them can say for sure, and in in that instance, you can infer that that no one really knows anything, and there is no sort of truth, but in D and D or fantasy settings that have gods, the gods are tangible they're they're real things and they affect the world so it's like okay well how can these conflict with each other but then also be tr all tr are they all true at the same time and that's kind of the case like and going back to comic books i mean you read a batman story and you read us and and you know one of the his rogues gallery is is wrecking havoc on gotham and, and killing a bunch of people or whatever and you're the whole time you're you kind of have to be like well where why doesn't you just call superman <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you just call the Flash and and they can get this over with in like seconds? Yeah. And it's like okay, you have to kind of just it's it's kind of the same thing where it's like okay, this is all going on at the same time, but it's only gonna make sense in these sort of small pocket narratives. Yeah. So um. So yeah, the there are multiple creation myths, but they're comic all book hero they're, comic yeah. book. It's like oh uh like I don't know like. Basically, exactly what you said. Batman's having problems. Hey, just call up Barry Allen. It's like, hey, man, uh, Penguin's running around Gotham, really fucking shit up. Can you get him? I'm a little busy. I, like, I'm I'm in the middle of cooking dinner. Like, yeah. And I mean, sometimes they do explain it. They're like, oh, well, he's busy, you know, dealing with Reverse Flash, or he's he's in another dimension. Yeah. But uh, but I, I kind of like that sort of that that time and space and magic are all one like it's it's rather just time uh, space time you have like space magic time where history is 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 stretchy and and not linear in in the setting so it allows for random continents to pop up or you know a, a party that 
you, you know, is 50 years in the future from a previous party that you ran in the same setting, is encountering a king that died during the previous campaign setting, how is he alive or whatever, or or creation myths can, can, can both coexist and be true and conflicting at the same time. So it's like sort of this historical superstate kind of thing, quantum superstate. I, I try to do that just because... Because I'm lazy. I don't like <laughs> I don't like nailing anything down. I like to be able to change it without saying it's being retconned. I like all of it to be included if it's cool. So yeah. it's like rather than saying, oh that was a mistake, just being like, Nope. It's all true. I yeah, wish exactly. I had the, the courage to do that, because I'm very much like if I realize something I fucked up, I am I am unfortunately a very superficial DM and if I realize that I made a mistake, I will go back and be like oh shit that's right how can i correct this current situation to fix that and then i and then well, i normally I'll, do that i'll give an i'll give an example if if i make mistakes i just make that sort of part of the lore so for example in the monday campaign the party is in this coastal town uh that has a big wall around it and you know i posted it in in you know the public uh the public channel regarding the campaign and um one of our one of our uh one of my friends um he, go, he went by the name armor lord i think now he goes by cajun santa <laughs> anyway he basically <laughs> tore it apart saying that this this town is fucked if they ever get attacked because they have they have no real def defenses other than the wall and i was like yeah you, you know what you're right and out of game like out out of outside of all this i'm thinking well I'm an idiot. I don't know that much about medieval defenses. I clearly need to read up on them and then also to consult this person next time I want to make a town that I want to make it look fortified. But why? I don't want to go back and change it because I've already put it out there. So why does it lack defenses? Well, the history of the island is one is that the, the, the primary trading area has lost its ability to trade or have access to the ocean. So uh, this, this town, Sidrathorpe, is now the primary trading location for the island and any nearby trading routes, uh, across the ocean. So, massive amounts of money is coming in, uh, massive amounts of, of, of wealth and, and trade goods. So this town is, is booming a little bit faster than it can handle. So, they haven't gotten around to get, getting the defenses up yet, but they are wealthy enough to have, you know, small keep there and, and a wall. So that's kind of the, the explanation is that they're, they're relying on, um, you know, the, the natural defense of the ocean. And I can just say that, you know, there's, there's a reef out there or some shit, <laughs> and that kind of prevents, uh, too many boats from coming in in some sort of, uh, barbarian invasion over, across the seas. But, uh, I just kind of roll with the punches, and I whatever I say is is law. But there's a <laughs> reason then behind it. If it's stupid, I'll just like, oh well, there's a reason for that, and I, I'll just make up a reason. I'll react, be reactionary to my own world that I've created. If, if that makes any sense, so it does. Okay, well, it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I I meant to do that, and then I just make a reason why I meant to do that, or make a reason that would make sense for that to be that way. I th as any good writer or dungeon master should well uh josh we have reached the end of the episode but as per with every guest that i have i'm going to ask you one question that you can either answer or choose to deflect uh which most people kind of choose not to because I, it's not like i'm asking really like personal questions i just try i try to formulate a question based off of the topic that you have chosen 
And so the question okay. I have for you is, how uh, do you feel that TTRPGs have changed, either for the better or for the worst? Is it supposed to be like a, a short, succinct answer, or like, like a... you can go, like you can go on for a couple minutes about it if you want to. Um. Well, from my experience, and I, I'm only kind of in. I'm I jumped on kind of right before it it blew up, so I I, I don't have like the old guards perspective of things and how they used to be back in like, you know the 1980s the satanic panic days and stuff like that, yeah. but um. It definitely has blown up the popularity of, of just sort of social media, and um, it was kind of a niche hobby that everyone could sort of get into very easily with little investment. Uh, but it, you also could then invest a lot into it and, and get, you know, you get what you pay for, kind of. And um, I think uh, it's changed a lot. Uh, it's changed a lot because it's sort of. It, it changes with the sort of uh, whatever the whatever the internet zeitgeist or or, or group think is. Um, I've noticed that. I mean, recently, you know, Wizards of the Coast and even and Tolkien are kind of getting flack recently because of um, potential racial stereotypes that are that are being uh, pointed out that pointed out in 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 some aspects of, of fantasy role-playing games. And, um, there's a, uh, it's kind of hard. I, I understand people's concern with that. Uh, but at the same time, it kind of removes a little bit of the grit of D and D that is sometimes enjoyable. Um, because your, your characters have to kind of deal with these tough situations or, uh, you know, a lot of people want to say that there is no, there are no races in in fantasy games that are inherently evil, but you know everyone's kind of okay with demons being all evil sort of thing, and it's like, oh well, eventually people are going to come around and, and speak out for demons, and that sort of thing, and it's 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 hard. I understand for for companies like Wizard of the Coast and Paizao and whatever to, um, I, I think even Paizao when they came out with Pathfinder Second Edition, they they did away with races, and it's just called uh ancestry it's essentially racist though so they're, they're trying to get away from like uh problematic verbiage and, and things like that um and I, I commend them for it it's 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 good to be at least cognizant of those things and 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 uh admit when you make mistakes but at the same time i think it should sort of be i think as long as everyone is kind of uh given a warning that certain themes may make appearances in the games they're going to play then then it's all fair game i mean if you have a session zero with everyone and you know hey we're going to be doing like it's going to be a race war between dwarves and elves or whatever uh if one person's like you know what that doesn't make me comfortable then then either find another group or because there's plenty of them out there or maybe your group is willing to change the dynamics so uh i think it's still sort of finding its place as far as or I don't know if it's ever going to find its place as far as what its final form is going to look like, uh, because people are going to constantly criticize it or, or say that it could be better. Um, I'm looking forward to where it goes, though, just because there's there's way more people involved in it now, and that's I feel like that's never it's never a bad thing, at least for like creative outlets. So um, I'm happy with where it's at. I'm happy with where it's going. Those sort of things don't bother me, but it's it's kind of the, the big thing right now that I'm 
uh, I think most people are keeping their eyes on, so. Well, that is that was a really good answer. So you know, fucking round of applause for that for that response. Um, and I'm not I'm not patronizing you. I legitimately think that was a very succinct and and good answer. But uh, so thank you, Josh, for joining me. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, <clears throat> for anybody who wants to know where to find more of Josh, you can find him on his Twitch channel at uh, Soylin, S-O-I-L-I-N. Uh, on Mondays and Fridays, we play... Uh, on Mondays, we play 5th Edition Pints and Pretzels, which is an interactive 5th Edition game where the audience has a say and can uh, alter the game by, paint, by uh, giving pretzels, which can be earned through, like, view time... Uh, watching the streams and whatnot um and then on fridays we play starfinder or pack or problems as it's called um where we just fuck up the the universe apparently <laughs> yeah pretty much or, or i mean both both campaigns feel like uh adventures and babysitting but um <laughs> i i hope i hope you're having fun playing because you're, you're i mean you're still playing in them so um, I don't know yeah. why that just uh, hit I, me. That's exactly what it is. It, it, it absolutely is. So uh, <laughs> I, let me a uh, quick shout out my Twitter as well in case anyone's following me on Twitter. It's Go uh, for it, man. At, Anything you got to plug, plug it. It's at SoylinTTV. S-O-I-L-I-N-T-T-V. Um, and then I also am a co-host on my own podcast uh, called Comic Book Rehab where I go to my local comic book store and chat about the comic books that came out that week with the with the owner um, and a couple of other patrons. So uh, check that out if you want to see terrible comic book opinions. Or listen to them, rather. <laughs> All right. But thanks for having me, Chris. I uh, had, had a good time. I look forward to uh, seeing who some of your other guests are. Uh, I believe that most of them are people you know. Some of them are people you don't. Um, but... Uh, this has been Chris versus the world. Uh, thank you everybody for listening, tuning in. Uh, and just remember that you're all beautiful people and you deserve to be loved. Y'all have a nice evening.